0: On point with Craig's Investment Partners. The information provided here is general in nature. It's not financial advice. It doesn't take into account your financial situation, objectives, goals, or risk tolerance. All investments are subject to risks and none are guaranteed. So before you make any investment decisions, we recommend you contact an investment advisor. For more information about our services in that regard, you can go to our website, which is craigsip.com. Welcome to On Point, I'm Mark Lister, Investment Director at Craig's Investment Partners and I'll be talking about a range of topics including economics, portfolio strategy, investor education and anything else that's happening out there in financial markets. Hi everybody, another week down and another busy one coming up so let's cover some of the key releases, events and market reactions of last week then we'll turn our attention to what we need to keep an eye on in the week ahead. It was another fairly good one for most markets around the world last week. The S&P 500 share market index in the US rose another 0.9%, and that is the 16th weekly gain out of the past 18 weeks. Uh, which is a feat we haven't seen from the US share market since 1971. So not only is it at record highs, it is enjoying a very strong run. It wasn't just the S&P 500 that had a good week. The NASDAQ Composite, which is a more tech Uh, reliant and tech-heavy index. The Nasdaq Composite rallied an even stronger 1.7%, so it surpassed its previous high from November 2021. You'll recall that the S&P 500 has hit fresh highs in recent weeks, but the Nasdaq hadn't, uh, but it did, I think, on Thursday last week. Japanese shares also strong, up another 1.8%. That's the Topics Index in Japan that I'm talking about there. The Nikkei was even stronger again, and the Nikkei is at a new all-time high. It surpassed its previous high, which came way back in 1989. A week or two back are the Topics, which is a broader one. So that's the one that I follow and talk about. It's a better reflection of the whole market, less concentrated. The Topics is still about 6% or so away from its all-time high. So it's getting there. It's had a very good performance, but it's not quite uh, at that level that it did reach uh, 30-odd years ago. The Australian market up 1.3% last week Europe 0.2% higher emerging market shares were one of the only areas of weakness they were down 0.4% and the local NZX50 here in New Zealand was up ever so slightly up 0.2% we saw US interest rates fall Uh, On the back of an inflation report that I'll talk about shortly, look, it wasn't a fantastic inflation report, but there were no nasty surprises, no unwanted increases that uh, were out of line with what people were expecting. So I guess that's uh, why you might have seen that result. It's more of a sigh of relief than anything to get too excited about. But we did see the 10-year Treasury yield in the US fall from 425 to 4.18. Here in New Zealand, the moves were bigger. We saw New Zealand interest rates fall much more sharply, and that came on the back of the latest Reserve Bank decision, where they chose not to increase the OCR. We'll talk about that in more detail shortly too. But our two-year swap rate, which is a wholesale rate, fell 24 basis points, so just shy of a quarter of a percent. That ended the week at 5.03, and the five-year swap rate fell 21 basis basis point. It ended the week at 4.5%. If we run through some of the key releases, and here in New Zealand it was all about the Reserve Bank of New Zealand, we had the OCR decision, the official cash rate decision, and we had a fresh monetary policy statement. So that came out on Wednesday afternoon and they left the official cash rate unchanged, which was what most people thought and what markets generally expected, but there were a few economists out there who we were picking the chance of a hike. And there was some chance priced in, in terms of uh, financial markets, that we could see a hike. But uh, as I expected, and as many expected, they didn't make any changes. So the OCR was left at 5.5%, which is the highest we've seen since 2008. And that was the fifth meeting uh, in a row where the Reserve Bank has left the OCR unchanged. It last increased it in may of last year and it's been on hold ever since we got the monetary policy statement along with that and that's online for for anyone to read if they would like to go through it in detail it's a very very interesting useful report so it is worth a look if you are interested in economics or financial forecasts or delving a little bit deeper into how the reserve bank thinks and why it thinks what it does but long story short uh the bank reduced the peak of its forecast ocr track from where it was before so back in november its prediction its forecast for the ocr peaked at 5.69 percent, and that came in the third quarter of 2024 uh, and that forecast peak has now fallen from 5.69 to 5.60, uh, and it peaks around the same time, the third quarter of this year, but a little bit lower. So what that means, in short, is that uh, the Reserve Bank sees less chance of it needing to increase the OCR further. So there's still still a little bit of a chance in their mind that they might need to increase it, but less chance, and the balance Uh, has probably swung in favour of no more increases required. They still don't see the OCR coming down until the middle of 2025, which is more than a year away. Now, as I've said quite a few times, remember, the Reserve Bank will tell us what they want us to hear because they're trying to influence our behavior so that tough talk where they say oh we still might hike if if something comes out that we don't like the look of and even if we don't you're not going to get a cut until june 2025 of course they'd say that because they want to influence our behavior they want to keep us cautious a bit nervous they don't want to see us spending and borrowing and fueling demand and inflation. So just remember that. Remember that they're trying to use their forecasts, their language, their tone, As another tool anyway financial markets now see no chance of any more hikes and they've brought forward the timing of the first rate cut so current pricing and remember this this changes pretty much every day and it reacts to every data point we get so it's really just a snapshot in time but uh, as of right now current market pricing suggests that there is a 71 percent chance of a cut in august And if we don't get a cut in August, then the chance of that that first cut coming by October increases to 100%. So financial markets see the second half of this year as the point where the Reserve Bank will start reducing the official cash rate. And I think that's what I've said all along Um, my crystal ball is no better than anyone else's Uh, in fact it's it's cloudy probably quite frequently but uh, my feeling has always been they've done enough they don't need to hike anymore and cuts are on the horizon but it's probably a story for the second half of the year and that's where markets are at too so that was the key release uh, and that's why you saw that reaction from interest rate markets with uh, yields down interest rates down and fixed income securities performing well in the wake of that we also got some business confidence figures uh, and these uh, covered the month of february that was uh, the anz survey the anz business outlook which is out every month Uh, long story short business confidence robust uh, inflation pressures easing slightly but not as quickly as we would like so We saw the headline confidence measure fall marginally. uh, The first monthly decline, in fact, since April last year, but it's still sitting at high levels. It's had a good run. It's been going up for all of those months, and now we've just seen it come off the boil a little bit. The own activity measure, which I watch more closely because I find it a more useful leading indicator for economic activity, it tends to correlate better with where future economic growth is going. It improved slightly. Uh, it improved to 29.5. That's the highest since June 2021. So that's good. Businesses are still in a more positive mindset than we've seen for some time. Inflation expectations came down uh, from 4.3 to 4.0. You know, they're sort of following what's happening in terms of reported inflation. Uh, however, almost 74% of firms are still expecting their costs to go up over the next three months. So that's still quite high. And 48% are still expecting to raise their prices, which is also quite high. So not fantastic news on the inflation front, which is why the Reserve Bank does still have a few things it needs to keep an eye on now those figures uh, that i mentioned in terms of sentiment and confidence are just aggregate aren't they so uh, i always get comments from people saying really why is confidence so high you know this sector or that sector it seems to be in a lot of strife and that's true when you look at individual sectors uh, retail for example construction uh, they've become much more pessimistic compared with the previous previous month. Agriculture has gone in the other direction. You'd expect that. Fonterra has, has bumped up the forecast payout, uh, and dairy prices have been rising more into uh, and, and so the agricultural sector, or at least the dairy component of that sector, has been more upbeat. Services, little change. Manufacturing, little change. So overall, confidence pretty solid, but when you look at a sector-to-sector basis, uh, you will see some swings and roundabouts internationally the key release was pce inflation that stands for personal consumption expenditures uh this is the federal reserve's preferred inflation measure measure and these figures were for january and the good news was that they came in as expected and uh, inflation is generally starting to continuing i should say to trend lower however at a monthly level, it was up. You know, it's been going down, and on an annual basis, it continues to go down. Uh, but the month of January was actually quite strong. We saw PCE inflation at the headline level rise 0.3%. And core PCE inflation increased zero point four percent. So those are actually the highest monthly readings in four months and twelve months respectively. Uh, but they weren't any worse than expected. So the annualised six month average for for both of those is two point four. Um, which is higher than what we saw a month ago, but it's still you know, relatively close to Fed targets. The Fed wants it to be at about 2, and we're at 2.4, so not too far away. And which, when you look at the annual inflation rates, headline and core inflation came in at 2.4 and 2.8, which was, as expected, And those were the lowest that we've seen since the first couple of months of 2021. So the lowest in three years. Now, the Federal Reserve meets later this month in March. Remember, it's March now. Uh, And I think that meeting is on the 20th of March or thereabouts. So no change expected at that time. But markets are now pricing a 94% chance of a Federal Reserve cut by June. Uh, And when you look at the whole year, 2024, three or four cuts in total are expected uh, of the magnitude of 0.25%. So that's not too far off where the Fed itself is at. They've been guiding us to three cuts over the calendar year. So the market's a little bit more hopeful than that, that we might potentially get four, but June is now very much seen as the most likely timing. So that'll be interesting. Um, June for the Fed, and I think... um, you know, I mean, A few of the other central banks around the world are expected to potentially move at that time. And here in New Zealand, uh, the market's thinking maybe August, maybe October. So definitely, definitely something is coming in terms of that monetary policy easing. So that's something we've got to think about. We've got to make sure portfolios are positioned for that. Uh, a few other things last week that I won't dwell on, we had the ISM index in the United States for February, uh, that's the Institute of Supply Management Index, it's a good manufacturing measure, uh, another soft reading, the headline ISM fell to 47.8, breakeven is 50, so it's below breakeven, that's actually the 16th month in a row that it's been below 50. Uh, so the manufacturing sector still doing it tough in the United States. New orders at least have been looking a little bit better, so hopefully there is something more positive on the horizon. And we got some activity measures out of China too. We got some purchasing managers indices for the month of February, marginally better, uh, the official composite measure sitting at 50.9, so that's above that 50 break even, uh, that's the same as January. Manufacturing still pretty soft, but services at least looked a little bit better. The services. Component had a five-month high, so that's that's good. There was another measure, um, a private sector manufacturing measure, which looked better than than those official government ones. The private sector measure came up um, to fifty point nine, which is the highest since May twenty twenty-three. So, uh, not fantastic, but looking at least more stable than we have seen lately. China will be in focus this week. We've got the National Party Congress in China, which starts, I think, on Tuesday. So we'll be watching for news flow that comes out of that. Uh, Markets are expecting uh, China to set itself a growth target of about 5% for the year, um, which is high to the rest of us. But that's actually quite modest when it comes to China. That would be the same as we saw in 2023. And we're also looking for fresh economic stimulus to be announced because China is still suffering from a property crisis. They've got uh, the risks of deflation, uh, share markets have been very weak and you've got uh, mounting local government debt concerns as well. So lots of things to be a bit cautious of in China and uh, markets will be hopeful that the, the authorities and policymakers have some plans to try and get things under control there. So that'll be something we'll be watching for the week ahead. Um, Elsewhere in the week ahead, on the local front, there's another dairy auction. Uh, So we'll get that early on Wednesday morning and farmers will be hoping for the eighth consecutive rise in dairy prices. Uh, And that, if we saw it, will be the longest winning streak we've seen since 2021. GDT prices, global dairy trade prices, increased about half percent at the last auction. So they're up almost 31% since August and they're at the highest levels that we've seen since October 2022. And that's why we've seen Fonterra bump up their milk price forecast for the current season. So they're sitting at $7.80 now in terms of the midpoint, uh, which wouldn't be quite as good as last year or the year before, but those were two very strong years. And seven eighty dollars is not too bad uh, against the, the history that we've seen from Fonterra over the last 10 or 20 years. It is worth noting that farmers have seen their costs go up though. So seven eighty. Uh, is also not what it used to be, but but we're definitely in a better space than we were in six months ago in terms of the dairy sector, so we'll be looking forward to some positive news on that front um, middle of the week. In the United States, the key economic release will be the February jobs report, the non-farm payrolls report, this will come out on Friday. Last month it was really strong. Easily beat expectations, 353,000 new jobs created, which was the strongest in a year. And we saw the unemployment rate steady at 3.7% rather than rising slightly as people were expecting. Uh, on the other side of that coin, strong labor market meant that wage pressures were a little bit more persistent than hoped. Does that sound familiar? That's exactly what we saw in New Zealand, isn't it? So we'll be watching this on Friday in the US and um, for this release, uh, which will be February, I think it will be, won't it? Uh, markets are expecting about 180,000 new jobs to have been created, and the unemployment rate is expected to be unchanged at 3.7. And we'll also be watching those um, wage pressures to see what we see on that front. Elsewhere in the United States, we will have uh, Chair Jerome Powell, Fed Chair Jerome Powell. Uh, in focus on Wednesday and Thursday, he will be testifying to the House Financial Services Committee and the Senate Banking Committee. So these are uh, six-monthly um Uh, appearances that he makes or any Fed chair makes in front of Congress Uh, and he'll get lots of questions about probably about the economy, probably about what the Fed's doing and probably about when we might see a bit of a reprieve on the uh, interest rate front. So that will be closely watched on Wednesday and Thursday. It'll also be a very busy week on the political front in the United States. Uh, We have Super Tuesday coming up and that is... uh, that is a term used to describe uh, the traditional day where you see a lot of primary elections take place. And there's 16 states holding primaries on Tuesday, which is about a third of all the delegates across the United States. So primary elections are held by the major parties, the Democrats and the Republicans, and these sort of internal elections where all of those party members get to have their say on who should represent them at the election in November. So Super Tuesday is a day where you usually get uh, a much better line of sight about who is going to be standing in the presidential election for the Democrats and the Republicans. And it's expected to be uh, Biden versus Trump, um, but we should get more more confirmation of that uh, next week. So Super Tuesday, that'll be closely watched. Uh, We've also got um, President Joe Biden's State of the Union address two days later on Thursday, which will also be closely watched. And if you're interested in hearing a bit more about the US election, when it is, what might happen, what history can tell us, uh, why Super Tuesday is important and so on and so on, where the odds are at. Um, I did record an episode last week about the u.s election and what it might mean for the share market so go and take a look at that i wrote a report about it too which you will find on our website if you're a client of ours but you can all listen to the podcast episode and there was some really interesting stats that we can learn from history about that that which might just help us guide us to um in terms of our you know portfolio changes we might need to make or not make, and just how much uh, weight we should put on the political environment when it comes to thinking about what the share market might do. Been a lot of elections in the US that we can look back on and and consider how share markets have responded. So a big week on the political front. Uh, We've also got the UK unveiling its budget on Wednesday. That will be closely watched. And also in that part of the world, the European Central Bank will release its latest monetary policy decision on Thursday. That will be the highlight in Europe. And no changes are expected from the ECB. Uh, but we will be watching the commentary. They're at 4% in terms of their key policy rate. That's the highest since the euro came into being in 1999, and the ECB last raised it in September last year, so they've been on hold since then. There has been good progress on inflation. We actually got some figures out on you know Thursday or Friday last week. The headline inflation rate is down to 2.6% annually in Europe. That was the February figures. Uh, which is great progress considering it was at 10.7 I think uh, back in 2022 so we're now back at levels that we haven't seen since the middle of 2021 that was a little hotter than expected I think the market was expecting it to come down to 2.5 it came down to 2.6 or it was unchanged at 2.6 maybe I forget but uh, still still far better than being in double digits uh, or above that and just like the Reserve Bank just like the Federal Reserve in the US Uh, the ECB is seen to be at the top and its next move is expected to be down, although that won't come this week. Markets see a very small chance uh, of a cut at the next meeting after this week, which will be in April, but more likely um, it'll be June. So June is when the ECB is expected to push through its first rate cut, same as the Federal Reserve. Um, and the e c b is expected to cut rates five times over this calendar year, so they'll start in June and there'll be four more after that that's um five zero point two five percent rate cuts that is so uh we'll be watching we'll be watching that on Thursday to get a sense for whether those expectations are reasonable or not. Um, across the Tasman, a couple of things to watch. We've got the the GDP figures uh, for the December 2023 quarter. Those will be out on Wednesday and also in New Zealand, as well as that um, dairy auction. We will get some of our GDP partials. Um, what do we got? I think we've got the survey of manufacturing and building work put in place. So those will be released uh, this week. When I say GDP partials, what I mean are some of the components of our GDP report. Like we had the retail sales report, and that gives you a bit of a steer on how parts of the the GDP report will look. And we'll get a couple more components, official components for the for the same period. So by the end of this week, the economists will have a much better. Uh, more accurate picture of what our GDP will look like for the December 2023 quarter. And those figures, I think, are out uh, before the end of the month, so maybe in a fortnight's time. Not a lot on the reporting front because uh, the reporting season, both here and offshore, is largely behind us. Target is reporting in the United States and so is Costco. I know Costco is one that a lot of people like and follow, but other than that, it is a pretty quiet week in terms of corporate news flow. All right, that's all, team. Uh, Thanks for listening and we will talk again soon. For more insights, visit Craigsip.com.